You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, this is never a fun day. And unfortunately, whether you want to believe it or not, this happens every year where the Packers end up playing and not winning. And um, part of the issue for all of us is figuring out how to react. Some people clearly just don't care, but uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and at halftime, kind of just talking about how now is the time to get right mentally. Because if I care way too much, I'm going to get way too mad. And whether we want to believe it or not, there are more important things than this football game. Despite the fact that we've all done nothing but wait and get excited and talk about, and look at, and all this different stuff, and to watch that as the result, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where all the angry text messages, and all the just vitriol, and this team stinks, and I told you, as much as that just annoys me, because I'm, listen, I'm already suffering, you're making it worse, and again, I know you don't care, but I mean, think about that, Everybody's watching the same thing you're watching. Everybody's watching the same game and feeling the same emotion. And then you got to go around and kick all the other Packer fans while they're down. Dude, come on now. Now, with that said, I do think the optimists are going to have to concede a little bit of ground on this one, myself included. 
Because as much as you don't want to give in, as much as you hear some of the stuff people say, and granted, some of the people saying it are being irrational, the fact of the matter is, some of it is real. Some of it is concerning. And no matter what you think of pessimists or how much they might have annoyed you for the entire season while they're being negative through a 4-0 you know, stretch, we're simply going to have to bow out and say, you know what, you guys won this round. Because this was real bad. And I'm going to go ahead and step over to their side this week, just for the week. And not on necessarily everything. The whole, I mean, a lot of guys took it to the next level. As far as this is a useless team, they're terrible. Oh, like, okay, just cool it. But the fact of the matter is, this wasn't a 24-21 loss, you know, with a missed field goal at the end. That's not what we watched. That's not what this was. And I think all of us are really getting tired of, and you can kind of call it spoiled if you want, because the Packers have won a lot of games, and they've been a very good team, and they have a lot of talent all across the roster. But I think everybody's a little tired of the fact that when we lose, it is in spectacular fashion. It is the fact that after one week, everybody in the NFL is going to say, see, I told you they were frauds, and you know what? I got nothing to come back with. Nothing. Because dominant football games don't do that. They don't. I understand everybody loses. Relax. It's not a big deal. It was hot. There were 40 people in the stands, so it was noisy. Listen, this is where the optimists are are taking things too far. You guys got to just... I mean, look, again, fan how you want to fan. If you're negative all the time, positive all the time, that's up to you. My job is to try to be a realist, and, and not the way most people say they're a realist, which means just being a pessimist, but trying to sound smart about it. I mean, actually look at it. And even when I don't want to concede ground, I do it if it seems more rational than not conceding ground. I don't like where I'm standing right now, but it's the reality. Everybody loses, but not everybody has to lose like that. Why does that happen? And one of the real upsetting things about it is that I really like what Matt LaFleur has done for the locker room. I like that he brought everybody together, but I'm starting to worry a little bit about the way that this team responds to certain things. I talked about recently the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers, back when Cam Newton was there, and, and how that team really fed off of Cam Newton's energy. And when he was riding high, boy, oh boy, were they a good team. But when they were low, when Cam was pouting, the whole team fell apart. And I feel like... That's sort of where we're at right now, and it kind of worries me. Something else I thought about was when, um, speaking of the Carolina Panthers, um, 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 Ron Rivera. When Ron Rivera went from Carolina to Washington, and there was a lot of talk about how um, Ron Rivera was going in there and he's removing the pool tables and he's getting rid of all the fun stuff, and it's no nonsense, it's hardcore, it's it's this, that, or the other. And one of the guys I was listening to, you know, uh, kind of a insiderish guy, whatever, who is aware of how the inner workings work, said something to the effect of, yeah, that's generally what happened, right? You, you got a team that's not playing well because the coach is too lax or too whatever, and you get a hard-nosed guy coming in here saying, this is all business. And then things start to shape up, and guys start to, you know, 
buy in and they start playing well and eventually things go wrong and you get rid of this guy because he's too mean and the players aren't responding and you get a guy like Lafleur that comes in and he's everybody's buddy and everybody loves it and they they ride high but then things get too lax and it's just this constant back and forth and back and forth and back and forth it's lax the guys respond to it they like it then it gets too lax and you get a hard-nosed guy to come in part of the thing I'm worried I worry about is that although the locker room came together and these guys are having fun and I, and I know I bring this up way too much, but there is a serious problem with a team that can't be trusted to get to a, to a location on time. We have to leave a day late because I can't trust my guys to be responsible. There's a serious problem with a team that comes out of a bye week. When you get time off, you come out flat. What does this all point to? How about the fact that when you're losing, the team just says, eh, I don't really care anymore. The defense stops trying. The offense stops trying. We got drop passes, bad throws, and then Rodgers goes to the podium and has the audacity to talk about wind. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Come on. You know, one of the things I talked about with Carolina... This is the third time I'm bringing up Carolina. It's kind of strange. But, you know, there are certain teams that, you know, the Raiders, now the Panthers, that I've talked about where I respect the coach because he squeezes every last bit of talent out of the team. And I've talked about that with Matt LaFleur as well. But that's more schematic. I think with John Gruden and Matt Rule and some of these teams is sort of this hard-nosed attitude of we're not going to quit. And the Packers seem to have that at times, as long as things don't, don't get too bad. Otherwise, it's like they just don't care. I don't know, man. I just there's, there's a part of me that worries that there's a lot of talent here, but this is a roster of guys who, not entirely, but I wonder how many of them are really just... I talked about before the term all-in or singularly minded. There's only one thing that they care about, and that's a Super Bowl. That's it. That's the only thing. Well, these guys got to have other lives too. All right, fine. But think, I mean, really think about what we're talking about here. The best of the best of every at everything in the world are people that are just psychotically focused on one thing. The biggest CEOs, what do they do? They eat, they sleep, they dream, they live their business. The best football players like Tom Brady. We sit here and we talk back about all the, the, the stuff about he's not that good. or uh, Even after this win, we don't want to give him credit. Oh, he didn't even do anything, which, oh, fair enough. But the guy lives football. He trains constantly. All His diet, his workout regimen, his, he's, just, he's a psychopath. Do we have any psychopaths on this team? We know Rodgers isn't. We say that he is, but listen, he's an extremely talented and intelligent guy. But think back to what I said about Mike Smith, our, our outside linebackers coach, and what he did for the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, D. Ford and Justin Houston were two guys that, that really just wanted to rely on their talent. D. Ford was an absolute freakish, talented guy in college. He came to the pros and just couldn't figure it out. Justin Houston was a guy that was never actually that proficient in terms of understanding what his job was and being very cerebral. He just beat everybody with raw athleticism. The problem is D. Ford never learned anything, and Justin Houston, who used to win on raw athleticism and never really had to learn the, the fine tunings of being an, an elite edge rusher, suddenly was getting older, and they just thought that they could win on, on pure athleticism, and it just wasn't working. And they needed a guy like Mike Smith to come in and really teach them this, this, how this stuff works, and they became great. Aaron Rodgers is unbelievably talented, and I know he wants to win, but I think we put too much into this chip on his shoulder, like he's going to go get him, all that stuff. I don't buy it. He's already talked. I mean, all he ever talks about on Tuesday is balance in his life, and there's more important things, and I'm trying to focus on this, and, you know, I want to focus on friends and all, which is great. It's great for his life. 
I'm happy for him. Good for you. That's up to you, dude. I'm just explaining what that means. And the fact that we can't have it both ways. We can't talk about this guy has a chip on his shoulder and he's the most passionate, hardcore, only cares about a Super Bowl guy in the world. Also, he cares about everything else and and, uh, things outside of football all the time. I mean, who do we hear about that's just freakishly passionate about football all the time? Like, uh, outside of Rashawn Gary, I can't think of anybody. The guy that everybody loves to hate. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but, but how much passion did you see when we were down? Mike Daniels had talked about on Twitter yesterday how every really good defense has five or six guys that are like Ndamukong Sue. They ride that line between being tough and, and just, you know, really just taking it too far. They're edgy. They're, they're straight up mean. They're violent. And you think back about guys like Mike Daniels. Even Clay Matthews, I talked about how he was sneakily kind of a dirty player. He never got called out for it, but he was... I mean, right on that razor's edge, man. He wanted to hurt people. I mean, he was he was real low-key, real quiet. But how many times do we see guys, he goes for a sack and he just grabs the guy's head and just his knee always tended to drift up toward the quarterback's head. It was like he only wanted to sack the quarterback by his neck. Obviously, there was the late hit on Kaepernick out of bounds. I mean, he always, he just, ha- he had that. And I think that's a good thing to have. You got to be careful. You don't want to take it too far, but... I mean, that's what a good defense is. What What is the edge for this defense? What kind of an edge do they have? I mean, Zadarius has never really had an edge. He's just extremely talented. I'll be completely honest. The best play by of the entire night by the defense was Rashawn Gary grabbing Tom Brady by the face mask. It's the best thing they did all night. I don't. I, again, I'm not wishing injury on Tom Brady, but he had no fear at all yesterday. And why should he? You look at Aaron Rodgers, even after he gets the ball out, they were hitting him. They wanted him to be scared, and it worked. Aaron Rodgers played horribly because he was terrified. Not only were they getting pressure, they were hitting him a lot, and it hurt. And you know for a fact that was an emphasis. And Dominican Sue kept laying into him constantly after the ball was out. All these guys, make sure you hit him. Make sure you hurt him. And look, you don't like it, that's fine. That's football. I know 2020 is all like gentle and soft and sweet and all that stuff. That's not football, and you're not going to win playing that way. It's not just a cute term when we're talking about running over guys with a 250-pound running back. No, that's about actually physically hurting people. You realize that's what you're talking about when you say that, right? There's no edge for this defense, man, and it really just seems like we're back to... It really does feel like 2011 where it's a finesse team again. It doesn't need to be because we're a very big team. Mike Pettin went out and got really big guys. Matt LaFleur went out and got really big guys, except we don't use them. Let me just go out on a prediction right now. The PFF grades aren't up. And I listen, some people were way over the top on this, but let's just let's just be honest about it. I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know if anybody put his name down, if A.J. Dillon was the highest graded guy on the team yesterday. Every time he ran the ball, it was a really good run. Despite the fact that the only time he's on the field, you know they're running and they stack the box against him. Even when there's nowhere to go, he falls forward. He got three yards on a... Again! There were at least two runs where they should have tackled him in the backfield and he got positive yardage. On top of the one time he actually had a hole, again, despite the fact that they know they're running, what happens when this guy gets a hole? He's got the biggest run of the night! The stubbornness to refuse to play A.J. Dillon has crossed over from, well, they don't trust him, in my opinion, to sort of a Mike McCarthy-style stubbornness. And, And again, if you were in the Packers chat, some of the guys were way over the top, one guy in particular, because... Clearly, we were down by so much, running the ball is not going to save you. When you're down by three touchdowns, running the ball doesn't make any sense. A.J. Dillon is not going to bring you back from a loss. 
On top of that, they don't trust him to pass block or be a receiver, so he's limited, and that's why he's not out there very much. But you know what? In a game like this, which is extremely physical, when they're selling out against the run, Aaron Jones isn't breaking tackles, dude. And I know you're just looking, because he's such a, listen, I get it, he's a special runner, and you're hoping that at some point, like, he's just going to find that seam, or he's going to find that cutback, he's going to find the magic. But this wasn't that kind of game. Tampa Bay came out to play hard, physical football. They were going to smash you right in the mouth, and we didn't respond. We're trying to dance around them. We're trying to get creative and all that stuff. And they were like, good, get cute. Get cute and see what happens. We got, we got Aaron Rodgers trying to do ballet, and Indomitian Sue just mack-trucked him right in the mouth. It's just one loss. But this needs to be a wake-up call because we can't be this kind of team. I went back and looked. Well, every team loses. That's true. We lost a lot in 2010, as a matter of fact. The Green Bay Packers lost six games in 2010. This is only one loss. Take a wild guess, the biggest loss the Packers had. In 2010, what is the most points they lost by? The answer is four points. That's it. 27 to 31 and 3 to 7 are the biggest losses they had the entire year that they won the Super Bowl. The other losses they had was a 20 to 23 overtime loss, a 13 to 16 overtime loss, and then two 17 to 20 losses. They lost by 4, 3, 3, 3, 3 and 4. Every game was real close. They won in blowouts. Right? This, this, all, all of a sudden, we found the discrepancy between 2010 and 2020. And it, it's, a, it's a discrepancy that we kind of knew. Right? Every game was very similar. Not only did the Packers win in 2010, they won big. The difference is when they lost in 2010, they lost small because the defense was really good. I think it was Zach Cruz on Twitter asked the question, is this defense good at anything? And as much as that might sound like just a spiteful question, it's a serious question. Name one thing. This defense is really good at. Coverage? No. Linebackers can't cover. Outside of Jair, we can't cover. Kevin King's no good. Josh Jackson's no good. Darnell Savage is no good. Adrian Amos has been no good. Outside of that one nice breakup. No, not coverage. Run defense? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. Montrevious looked pretty solid. I think we did a better job with Kenny Clark today. But this is not a team that's going to dominate stopping the run. By the way, Chris Barnes, I mean, I don't know what the grades were, but every time I saw him, he's making plays. I was very impressed. Him, Montrevious, Kenny Clark, they, they stood out in my mind as far as stopping the run. And I understand down the stretch there were some big runs. I don't care. I, I mean, I care insofar as it was clear the defense gave up, which is not okay. But I think they did a good job when it mattered of stopping the run. But is this a good team at stopping? No, it's not. And the biggest problem is what about pass rush? That was supposed to be our biggest thing. Zadarius, again, was a ghost. He didn't show up once. He's had one good game this year. Again, I was hoping, man, maybe he's back. Tampa does not have an elite offensive line. They just don't. It's fine. It's decent. But they're, at best, a middle-of-the-road offensive line. Remember how last week they had, what, five sacks or something ridiculous? Well, they got Khalil Mack. So what? I thought we had Zadarius. Wasn't he better than Khalil last year? Don't make excuses. This is a serious problem that has to be addressed. If you don't want to talk about serious problems, don't listen to the podcast. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. And no, it's not just negative for the sake of being negative. I understand it's just one big loss, but you got to understand this is different. This is a serious problem. The Packers are going to win a lot of games, but there are certain things that need to be addressed, and I want guys to start taking it seriously. I want Aaron Rodgers to not go to the podium and talk about frickin' wind. I want Matt LaFleur to be, a, be, be hard about this, to go into the locker room and say, that's BS and I expect better. Can I not trust you to have a bye week? 
Can I not trust you to have a day off? Can I can I can you not be trusted to fly to a different city? Every time we got to go somewhere, you get a day off, you get a bye week, you guys you just you just what? You go out and party, you don't work out, you don't do anything. You don't show especially the offensive line. Why are they always so terrible when they get a break? What's the problem? Do you not care? Just not interested? You don't think you need to care? You think the other team probably just doesn't care either? Like we could take a day off cuz they probably took a day off. What is the problem here? And and look, Tampa Bay deserves a lot of credit. But again, acting like Tampa Bay's been doing this all year is not a reality. They've been off and on. Sometimes they do really well, sometimes they don't. That was why I concluded they wouldn't be able to do it to the Packers, because the Packers are better than all those other teams, and they should be able to stave this off. They should be able to say, nope, not us, you can do have a good game next week. This is by far the most dominant performance the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had all year. It's not all because of Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers force-feeding Devontae Adams, which caused two interceptions, has nothing to do with Tampa Bay. That first pick-six should never have been thrown, and Aaron Rodgers had no business throwing it. He was scared to death, he was playing scared, and he tried to force-feed Devontae because he just feels like any time I throw to him, it's safe. That corner was sitting right there the whole time. Aaron Rodgers never throws a ball like that. He did yesterday. Again, kudos to Tampa. They did play well. But that's stupid. The other ball was also force-fed. Yes, Devontae probably should have caught it. That's a problem as well. Got nothing to do with Tampa. Aaron Rodgers shouldn't have thrown it. Devontae should have caught it. Neither of those things happened. It popped up in the air and it got picked off. Nearly a pick six. 14 points because Aaron Rodgers is throwing passes he had no business throwing. He played scared, and when he gets scared, he reverts back to old-school Aaron Rodgers. Meaning what? I'm going to dance around, I'm going to scramble, I'm not going to take the easy throw, and I'm going to try to launch the ball down the field 30 yards. Rather than just playing the way we've been playing all year, the way we've been winning all year, instead of just going in our bunch sets and playing into the flats like Coach Hahn was saying, which, by the way, kudos to uh, to Mr. Brian Hahn for calling this one out and talking about how the defensive front and how they confuse guys and how they dictate to the offense. They dictated to us. We didn't play our game. We instantly got out of it. We're spreading out our wide receivers. We're going four wide, five wide. Get down the field and launch the ball 30 yards. That's stupid. Why are you doing that? We're playing scared. And kudos to their linebackers because that clearly was a problem for us. We tried to stress the edges. and, And by the way, I think this is a bad game for Corey Lindsley. And the, the reason I say that, and, and again, people are going to think I'm just overreacting, but one of the things that dawned on me, if we're going to pay Corey Lindsley, and he's a very good center in a lot of ways, but when you look at the Minnesota Vikings and when they went out and got Garrett Bradbury, it's for a very similar reason for the reason why we need a guy like Garrett Bradbury. I, I understand Garrett Bradbury's terrible and Corey Lindsley's better, but there are certain things that you cannot do with a Corey Lindsley. And again, if we're thinking long-term, does Matt LaFleur want Corey Lindsley to be our center for the next four years? And what I'm referring to is the fact that the reason the NFL, and especially outside zone type teams, want guys like Corey Lindsley, these centers, to be athletic guys, is because his job all night was to disengage from the defensive linemen, get to the next level, and cut off the linebackers. And I'm sure he does a great job of that ordinarily. But with the NFL going to getting linebackers that are running 4-4-40s, 4-2-40s. You gotta have more speed at center, and Corey Lindsley's not a fast guy. He's a technically sound center that's going to be able to, to, to hold his ground. He's a good pass blocker. He's a good run blocker when we're talking about what's right in front of him. But when we're talking about getting out in space and lead blocking and cutting off really fast line, linebacker, he was just missing it. He couldn't get there all night. These guys are too fast. 
And so Aaron Jones is getting blown up in the backfield because you got Devin White and uh, the other guy who, and again, I everybody's knocking me because Devin White had a great, we'll see, I don't know. I think the other guy had a better night, and I, I already said Devin White's a great blitzer, so yeah, coming on blitzes and stuff. But the bottom line is, we really were an optimal matchup for Devin White because all he had to do was be fast because none of our guys could get up to the next level. He just had to play cleanup all night, and he did. By the way, we also made it easy on him because one of the reasons it was supposed to be hard for him is that this offense runs a lot of deception. We didn't do that yesterday. So no wonder their linebackers are teeing off on us. What I said yesterday, what, or two days ago, or whatever. The reason guys are, the, the way you beat a guy with 4-4 speed at linebacker is to cut out his speed by making him hesitate. He didn't have to hesitate. There was no motion. There was no bunch sets. There was no misdirection. There was none of that. It was just, here's a toss to Aaron Jones. Cool. So then Mr. Devin or the heck is that guy's name? I hate having to look stuff up when I'm in the middle of a rant. Levante David. These guys just got to fly. And so I'm sitting here looking stupid because Devin White has the first good game he's had pretty much of his entire NFL career against the Green Bay Packers because despite the fact we're exactly the team that he shouldn't be having a good day against, he did because we made it easy on him. We played to his strengths. So look, it, that, that's where I'm at right now. This is one loss and that's fine. Everybody loses. Everybody has bad days. The issue I have is the way in which it happened because that team can lose to anybody. And if it's a, if, if it's a matter of imploding to that degree, we're not safe from the Vikings, the Bears, the Lions. Certainly not feeling good about Houston. They're, they're what, 2-0 and in their last couple weeks after getting... And, and what did I say when Tampa or when Houston lost that first week? Everybody was down on them. They're trash. And I said, just give them time. This is a new offense. they got to figure out how it all works. And suddenly they're using their running back properly. The new coach is, is kind of ironing out a couple things. But on top of that, they're finding their identity. And, and the fact of the matter is, it is a talented team. So we can't just rely on them being garbage. We actually have to rely on this team bouncing back. And again, what I think this team needs from Mike Pettin and Matt LaFleur is hard-nosed leadership. Not buddy-buddy, hey guys, that was a tough game, keep your head up. We'll get them next time there, Tiger. None of that. B.S. Preston, you're not going to make it one more week. You're not going to make it one more week if you don't wake up. You won't make it to the Vikings game. You better have an impact against the Texans or you're not going to be there. I'm not playing around. This is garbage. I mean, there has to be a serious conversation. This, this, this team could have walked into the Super Bowl and walked away more than likely, at least with a good chance of a victory. The team that we've been watching, despite the fact that there's serious questions about the defense, even still, because again, every defense is having trouble. It's just a matter of hopefully these guys can wake up. Unfortunately, they're not waking up and the offense just showed some major flaws. So there needs to be a heart-to-heart moment. Do you guys want it or should we just call it in? Should we just, should we just tank? Should we just give up the rest of the season and see if we can start drafting players that give a crap? That's the conversation I want from Matt LaFleur. Because good, you built up a relationship and these guys love you and they trust you and all that stuff. Good. Then hard truth means more from you than some other coaches who are always hard all the time. But now's the time to be hard. You all let me down because you don't care. And I'm not going to tolerate that. I want you here, but if you don't want to be here, get out. That was embarrassing. You want to know why some people are so angry as Packer fans? Because they're embarrassed. People get angry when they're embarrassed. They've been talking up the Packers for a long time. They've been talking trash to Vikings fans and Bears fans and every other fan. Tom Brady's a bum. This guy's washed up. And now, what are you going to do? 
All the social media is looking and laughing at you. And there's nothing you can say about it. Because everything they're saying is true. And again, I can hear you. It's just one loss, dude. Relax. Already addressed it, bruh. It's not just a loss. It was an, it, it was an annihilation. That should have never happened. And again, there are very serious questions. Why is it when you come out of a bye, does it seem like you're, you're playing your worst football? You should be better. You've had time to rest. You've had time to heal. You've had time to practice. You've had time to train. You've had time to plan and to scheme more so than your opponent. Everything is in your favor, yet you play worse continually. Every time there is a question of, I hope the guys don't make bad decisions, they play poorly. Doesn't necessarily mean they made bad decisions, but it makes you wonder... Why is it every time they have the opportunity to do bad things, do they play really poorly? A bye week or a road trip, especially to a fun place like Cali or, you know, to the beaches of Florida? People are complaining about the weather. You think the Packers were upset about 80-degree weather? Maybe during the game, but when they got to Florida, they were not upset. You know Tampa's right on the beach, right? I mean, it's pretty close. It's butted up. It's a short drive. At the end of the day, man, you, you can compensate for a lack of talent by... A, a, by by heart, you know, discipline, hard work. The, the the Raiders and the Panthers have no business winning any games, and they are. They're just hard-nosed, man. They just fight. They're scrappy. This team is not scrappy. They were more scrappy last year. The defense looked wild and reckless like they didn't know what they were doing, but, man, they just came out swinging, and it was beautiful. They just don't do that anymore. You, you watch the pass rush, and it's like I just see Zadarius just run into a pile of guys. Granted, he's doubled up a lot, but it's like he's, he constantly is just trying to squeeze between two guys, and it's just not working anymore. Like, he's just not able to muscle between two big offensive linemen anymore. Like, okay, granted, that's not going to work. And again, I'll be honest, I'm a little frustrated with all the talk about how dominant the, 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 the Buccaneers' defensive line is. Every time I hear Packer fans talk about that, it's like, oh man, this is one of the best defensive lines in football. Good. Tell me their names. Because you don't know their names. You're talking about this dominant edge or the, this dominant defensive line, list them off. Because it's not. You know what it is, as, as was pointed out in that video, and again, it's not that these guys are completely useless. It's Todd Bowles. It's a guy figuring out a way to dictate to the offense and to win. He's outsmarting everybody. And he did it to the Packers. He did it to Matt LaFleur. Good for him. Big round of applause. No, I'm not going to praise William Golston, who's been terrible his entire career, or Indomitian Sue, who's been washed up for the last two years of his career, or Jason Pierre-Paul, who hasn't been good since before he lost half of his hand with a firework like seven years ago. The guy was good for like one year, eight years ago in, in New York as a giant. Sitting here talking about best defensive line in football. Give me a break. Vita Vea is not even there anymore. Who, who, again, who? The only guy that had any success along that entire defensive line is the only guy that hasn't been showing up. That's Shaquille Barrett. Shaquille Barrett, but he's no good against the run. He's just a pure pass rusher, and we couldn't attack him. We couldn't get around him. We couldn't run through him. Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaquille Barrett, what a joke. Devin White's been one of the worst linebackers in football, and Dominican Sue has been a joke. William Golston is having his first good year since, like, ever. We got outsmarted. That's it. See when David Bakhtiari went out and you see Rick Wagner who's trying to decide which guy do I block and he kind of decides neither? That's not because the guys coming off the edge are elite players. They ran unblocked. Rick Wagner, who's a veteran tackle, didn't know what to do. He was confused. We got outsmarted. Mike Pettin ain't that guy. I feel like when I'm watching Mike Pettin's defense, I'm watching old school Mike McCarthy's offense. It's just line up, run into people, and hopefully you can outmuscle them. 
When does Rashawn Gary do anything other than try to bull rush right into the quarterback? That's all he does. All Zadarius does anymore is try to squeeze between two guys, and it doesn't work. I don't know what Preston does. He kind of just stands there trying to push people. That's it. There's nothing happening. It's just raw power just smashing into people. And maybe he's just scared because they're so bad against the run, he doesn't want to get cute and then get embarrassed as they gash us for 20 yards on the ground. So it's a lot of just gap integrity, which means no more pass rush because we're, we're more focused on stopping the run now, which, congratulations, they looked pretty good at stopping the run early on, despite the fact that Tom Brady has a completely clean jersey. And, and the, the biggest fear I have is this just isn't salvageable. You can't rebuild the entire defense. You can't do that. We need, what, two new safeties, two new linebackers, another defensive tackle, and two more edge rushers? And, and you know, th- three corners? That's, that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. Guys need to wake up. That's it. That's it. I mean, it, it, Pettin has to figure it out because he's not going to get fired, and hiring a new defensive coordinator at this point isn't going to work. The only thing that's going to do is he gets fired, and we allow one of the guys under him to be an interim head coach or a defensive coordinator. That's it. We're not bringing somebody in because these guys don't have time to learn a new scheme. And and what good is that going to do? Because the guy that was under Pettin is just going to come in and try to run Pettin's scheme as, as best as he can. Because that's all these guys know. If we're going in a different direction, and here's the problem. Not only are we not doing it in season, but then we're going to have another, you know, that first year of learning the system, meaning they're not going to be good. So if we fire Pettin this year, so we have all year this year with Pettin, if he gets fired, we bring in a new guy. That guy tries to install his new defense, which probably means needing new guys, especially off the edge, because maybe those guys aren't going to cut it. Or we try to get somebody similar to Petten, but maybe a little bit more modern, whatever. I don't know. But we try to make this whole thing work. And then we go through another year of growing pain, saying, well, year two will be better. We don't have time for that, man. And again, it's it's the talent is there. And I, that's, that's all there is to say. And I know the pessimists are going to say, no, it's not. These guys are trash. Whatever, dude. We've seen it. We've seen Rashawn, we've seen Preston, we've seen Kenny, we've seen Dean. Dean has been very good in the past. We've seen, obviously, Zadarius. We've seen Amos. This is the only year of Amos's entire career in which he's looked bad. He's always been a solid safety. Something is just broken with this defense. For everybody to be playing this badly, something is very broken. I mean, it's one thing if Zadarius and Preston, who have basically had one good year ever, start to regress, and it's like, oh, shoot, that's, that's worrying. But everybody... Outside of of, uh, Jair, but the guy can't do everything by himself. So, you know, look, if if, if this is a blip, that's great. And if they get back on track next week, that's great. But you still feel like there's this ticking time bomb that's eventually going to go off again. Even if we win like the rest of our games this year, that's great. But you're always worried in the back of your mind, when is that next game coming? When is the complete collapse coming? And the bigger issue this year than even last year, despite the fact that this is a much better team, is the fact that when the offense played poorly last year, the defense bailed us out a lot. A lot of the games we won last year were because the defense stepped up while the offense was playing terribly. This year, clearly, when the offense doesn't play well, we get no help from the defense. We need the offense to be perfect. And guess what? You can't win that way. That's 2011 Packers, not 2010. The 2011 Packers had dominant offense, and when the offense didn't show up, we got beat, and we got beat badly, and we got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. I'm very excited that they're breaking all kinds of records, and they're looking real nice, and all that stuff, and that's great. But that only gets you so far. It's flashy, and it's fun, and it's exciting, but you're not going to win a Super Bowl that way. The defense needs to wake up, and I don't know what we got to do with the offense, because that kind of stuff should never be happening. Matt LaFleur had a terrible day. Aaron Rodgers had a terrible day. The offensive line had a terrible day. Devontae dropping passes. We, we can't get into this cycle where we just collapse. That's not acceptable. That's not okay. 
If Aaron Rodgers is hearing footsteps and he's starting to panic, fine. We got to bail the guy out. Matt LaFleur, figure it out, dude. Give him some short, quick passes to get his confidence back. Get the run game going. If Aaron Jones can't do it because they're stacking the box and he can't break arm tackles because he's a smaller guy, and I'm not trashing him, he's a specific kind of runner. He's very talented, but he's but he has limitations. Aaron Rodgers is not going to run well against a stacked box, ever. You want to run the ball? Fine. Bring out the beef. At least bring out Jamal Williams. He can kind of fall forward. I would prefer we trust A.J. Dillon a little bit, but if you're not going to do that, I just, I don't know, man. Just a lot needs to be learned. Um, That's kind of my takeaway. It's one loss, and that's fine, but there are bigger issues at hand here. The offense needs to learn a lot from this, and I think the even bigger issue, despite the fact that, that this was mostly on Aaron Rodgers having a terrible day, the bigger issue really is the defense. As much as this loss may be more centered around the offense, the bigger issue long-term is the defense and their inability to do anything at all. Anything at all. Defense wins championships. That doesn't mean your defense has to be better than your offense. We saw that with the Chiefs last year. But they have to be competent. And I put most of that on Mike Patton because to the day I die, I will tell you the Chiefs don't have a lot of talent. But guess what? The Chiefs' defense was pretty dominant down their stretch. And I don't think they win. I mean, dominant is, I mean, they were getting annihilated early on, and then the offense bailed them out. But in the Super Bowl, they stepped up. On some level, you have to have some kind of defensive competence, and the Packers have none right now. I don't know what would you do about it. I don't. But um, this is terrible. That game was terrible and troubling. Forget all the, uh, the, the fact that the fraud talk is coming back, and probably rightly so. Because, again, you ask the question, well, what does it mean to be a fraud? That's what makes you a fraud. Granted, when you win with style, that that means you're pretty dominant. But then when you do this, it's like, oh, okay, so you're not that good. That's what people are going to say. And we're going to plummet in the power rankings. And rightly so. Because, again, the, the, the end of the day, yes, it's only one loss. This team either fixes the issues or we don't win a Super Bowl. It's that simple. Because we're only going up against the best of the best in the playoffs. And if there's this constant ticking time bomb just waiting to go off. The playoffs are way too long. They're way too long to never have any faults, to just hopefully we can go on this dominant stretch and and just maintain this just long enough to get that Super Bowl victory. It's not going to be good enough. Eventually, these, these really, really big weaknesses get exposed. Every team has weaknesses, and everybody, you know, the Chiefs lost. They got some of their weaknesses exposed. It's going to happen, but the, the, the issue is how bad the weaknesses are. The Packers didn't lose. They got embarrassed. They looked like a top five pick in the draft kind of a team in that game. So they got some stuff to work on. I'm, I'm more optimistic about the offense figuring it out and, and learning from it. Um, but again, the, the defense is, is troubling. Um, very, very concerning because they never gave us a fighting chance. I mean, we had opportunities. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, every, the whole game was an opportunity. At any point, if the offense or defense woke up, you start to feel good about it. They just never did. I mean, there was, like, interception opportunities that got dropped. And it just just nobody did anything in this game, flat out. I'm not even kidding. A.J. Dillon was, was my favorite player in this whole game. And I, and I don't say that to just be spiteful. I understand the limitations, and I get all that. But at some point, you're, you're calling a Hail Mary, dude. I understand saying, no, we're not putting in Dillon because I trust Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and and not only are they better runners, but they're better blockers and they're better receivers. That's why A.J. Dillon isn't playing. Fine. But again, at some point in this game, Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere. Jamal isn't going anywhere. Our trickery, our receiving, all this stuff is not working. They're just playing hard-nosed, smash-mouth football. Fine, I got a guy for that. 
And the, the very few times he was out there, he looked good. He did. Well, he didn't get very far on that one play. Yeah, I know, dude. I completely understand that they stacked the box. But you know what? Again, negative one yard went for about three. You want to complain about that? Go ahead. I'm not saying we got to completely replace them. Aaron Jones is a better running back, presumably. I don't know. We haven't hardly seen A.J. Dillon. But just based on the fact that he's very, very good. But again, there are certain situations, and we've seen this numerous times this year, where they just commit to stopping Aaron Jones, and he doesn't do anything. Can we just try? Can we maybe just have a drive where we put him out there and, and say, all right, you know what this means. And by the way, if they want to stack the box and say, oh, yeah, this guy's clearly running, cool. Doesn't mean you can't throw. I forgot to put an ad in here. <laughs> Look, I, I again, I, I know the, the, the optimistic folks are going to be mad at me. That's what ha- Every time there's a loss, I, I can't win, right? If I'm too optimistic, I'm going to get trashed for being a homer. And if I'm too negative, oh, it's just, just a loss, relax. Yeah, I address that. I understand it's just a loss. Why don't you address the fact that this is clearly not just a loss? It's not. It's not just a loss. This was 38-10. to 10. This elite offense, best offense we've seen maybe ever, scored 10 points. 10 points. I don't care if the Buccaneers are a good defense. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. That's a BS excuse. This is, I mean, it's, it's not even that good of a defense. Compared to what? The 2018 Bears? Not even close. Not even close. You think back on some of the most dominant defenses that we've seen, this is not it. Again, list off these players, because and really good defenses. I can, to this day, list more people on the Legion of Boom than I can list for the Buccaneers. To this day. Because, not, because they're historically good, and you don't forget those names. I mean, you can almost list off the entire defense, the corners. Do you remember the corners from the Legion of Boom? I bet you remember at least one. Do you remember the pass rushers? I bet you remember a couple. How about the linebackers? How about the safeties? You remember. Right now, today, we just played the Bucks. You don't know who plays for their defense. Don't give me that nonsense. They're good, but they're not stop the best team in football to 10 points good. No, that's nonsense. The defense isn't that good, and the offense apparently wasn't that good either. This is a very serious problem, and you got to wake up to that fact. Because Super Bowl caliber teams don't lose to 2-2 two and two teams 38-10. to 10. A team that just lost to the Chicago Bears. Give me a break. Even considering we gifted them 14 points, it's still ridiculous. I mean, think about the fact that our offense gave the Buccaneers more points than they gave than we gave ourselves. We gave 14 points to the Buccaneers and we scored 10 on offense. Aaron Rodgers gave more points to the Bucs than he did the Packers. That's insane to me. Whatever. I guess there's no ad today. I don't know. Won't get paid for it, but that's fine. You all helped me get a laptop yesterday. I'll, I'll get over it, but I do have to get going. So, you know, we'll continue to look at it tomorrow, some of the stats and some of the things, and um, something else to keep an eye on. Um, Coach Hawn is going to be doing more breakdowns. He's he's committed to it. He talked about it. Um, one of the things we discussed is hearing from you guys and what you want to see. So I'm going to try to remember to create a thread somewhere, and uh, you guys drop some of the things you want him to look at for, for this game or, or whatever, and he'll go through and, and kind of find one that he that he likes. And, and analyze it but obviously there's a lot to look at here and um i mean he he's one and oh man he called out their defensive line and some of the stuff they do and how they're gonna give us a hard time and that's exactly what happened apparently it's that easy man you just you dictate to the offense you get at aaron Rodgers, and everything just falls apart and that's something we've seen a billion times and i don't know why that happened that's been happening since jeez 
basically since Aaron Rodgers is the only guy that's on the current roster. It's a complete roster turnover offensively and defensively, but we used to see this all the time. Aaron Rodgers has a bad day, and everybody's terrible. So, I don't know. I gotta go. It's a bad day. We gotta take our time. You know, if, I mean, if you're if you're an optimist and you hate the pessimist, you gotta just disconnect. If you're a pessimist and you're extremely angry, you should probably also disconnect because you need to just get your blood pressure down. Don't attack other Packer fans, please. All right, everybody's struggling today. Optimists and pessimists don't like each other at this time. Just be tolerant of each other for a while. Let crazy people rant. Crazy people, try not to rant so much, all right? Nobody wants to hear it. We know you're in pain and you're embarrassed and you're upset and you want everybody else to feel your pain and suffering, but we don't feel like it. This is this is always a hard time. This is when people get unfollowed and blocked. This is when I get all my negative reviews. This is when I get all the angry messages. It's, it's a lose-lose proposition for everybody after a loss. But I don't think I said a, sing, a single thing that isn't completely accurate. I like this team, but there are serious problems. And to some degree, I have there are more serious issues this year than 2019. And that's that's saying kind of a lot. But we'll see how they respond. It's This is, this is a critical moment for Matt LaFleur and, and Mike Pettin. This is pivotal. And unfortunately, we've seen this before, and it, it didn't it didn't seem to get better. But um, there, there has to be, there has to be some kind of an aha moment. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go back and listen to the, uh, the interviews. I'll be keeping a close eye on, you know, what Aaron Rodgers has to say tomorrow and the different guys are talking about to see if there's, there's any kind of something. I mean, there, there has to be some kind of a, an, an awakening for this team because this was, well, whatever. Anyways, I got to go. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday to the best of your ability. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.